step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford. Glenn Blackwell is back in studio. Intern Danielle, intern Jonah, producer Kenny behind the glass, and we have a loaded show for you tonight. Obviously going to talk about the National Predators finally back to the winning ways, sweeping the St. Louis Blues. And then, hey, we're going to talk some women's college hockey because there's some big women's college hockey action coming to Nashville this weekend. Big-time games from four of the top ten teams in the country coming to Nashville. And then... We're going to prepare you for the Vegas Golden Knights coming to town tomorrow. And then we have Dumb Things Said on Pred's Facebook. Oh, mm-hmm. boy, it's sweet. And then, hey, we, we decided to have some Pred's walkout songs because we want to have some fun with that. But it is a weird week, Glenn, throwing me off. It is a Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. It used to be on Wednesdays, but it's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday week for the Preds in terms of games. That's just all sorts of throwing me off. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm mentally thinking I'm going to wake up tomorrow and it's Thanksgiving Thursday. Right. And it's not. Nope. It's going to be Wednesday. So, so hey, about the Predators, mm-hmm. whew, they had a two-goal lead, blew that, but then had so many opportunities. This is one of those games, so many opportunities that they had in overtime that had people, their heart rates are probably just going ridiculously nuts. Good thing that they had plenty of opportunities, couldn't seal, but then finally, in the shootout, Philip Forsberg, and then especially Daniel Carr, gets the big goal to secure it in the shootout, and the Predators get four points against St. Louis after a six-game winless streak. They go, and of course... I was talking about this with plenty of people. I'm sure plenty of people were thinking it after winless in six games. Of course, they're going to sweep the division winner and the Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues because that's just how it works in yep. sports. After you have a very, very rough patch, you turn it around on that team. And did you also notice when Forsberg went and picked up the puck for Carr after after the shootout? Yeah. That, was, yeah. that was one of those moments where great. you're like, man, that just feels good. Yeah, what I also saw was Philip Forsberg botching his celebration. <laughs> the bench and it was hilarious because you tell us big he tried to sheath the sword and it kept going went through to the ice but you give him an a for effort right and his teammates (laughs) tried to catch the stick oh gosh oh gosh we got it we got it it was like i was busted up laughing when the few people that saw it in the press box were like what did he do when oh (laughs) the stick just flew through his hand into the ice trying to sheath the sword but big win for the preds Mm -hmm. and finally back to those winning ways and in what we thought was we know was going to be a tough end of the month because well, what, first of all, what we could have been talking about had the Preds not won these two games could have been, gosh, eight yeah, in a row, nine in a row. And then going in, they have a, another tough schedule to close out the rest of the month because you have Carolina, who is top three in the division, Florida, top three in the division. Then you have Tampa, who is starting to put it together to open up the month of December. And Vegas, who is not playing their, their best in terms of winning, but they're still a very good hockey team, as we all know. So just to get those two wins over St. Louis is big for this team in terms of building confidence. Still lots of questions, Glenn, that are being there are, asked. There are a lot of questions. A lot of questions. Asked. The Kyle Turris question continues to get Fair asked. Fair questions. Fair questions about why you're scratching a $6 million center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if it is something 
like an injury, then should we come out as an injury? But it is pretty obvious and apparent to us there's other things going on that we have not been told. Mm-hmm. And it is, I know it's been frustrating to some people. And some people are like, we don't need to know. Like, okay, if you don't need to know. But if it's a $6 million center, what yep. could be done with that $6 million for this team? That could be re-signing Mikael Glenland or Craig Smith. It could be a free agent in the market. It could be something else. But if it's just sitting there, $6 million... That is a legit question to be without asking right now without an yeah. explanation aside from just lineup decision. And I that, think, yeah, I think that if you're coach and you don't want, you don't want people to create their own narratives and these stories in their heads, then you have to give them something to stop them from asking you. If, right. you, if you go ahead and tell people something, then they're not going to ask you, but you're not. And so it makes you almost look when you keep your mouth closed and you don't give anybody anything and one more game comes up where he sits out healthy more questions are going to come up and you're going to have to you're going to have to keep you know you're going to ha- you're going to get presented with that over and over and, and over until you give an explanation yeah. he does you yeah can see so it's, it's coming. just i feel like after a couple of games with no explanation i think that the predators fans deserve that it's reached that point where they deserve some sort of an explanation and i'm sure something will come out eventually mm-hmm. whether it's Kyle Turris being traded and he speaks to new media or he starts playing again but major props to the preds beat writers especially uh, adam vingan paul scribina <laughs> Um, Robbie Stanley asking mm-hmm. questions when 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 it's need when they need to know the answers. And asking really great questions. Yeah, so. and wording it in ways that's changing it up instead of a Kyle Turris dot 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 like we yeah. would do with Kevin Fiala, with Kevin Fiala to, Fiala, to yeah. Daniel Lavender <laughs> up in Milwaukee. <laughs> but but it's one of those things. Let's go ahead and, and address another thing as well because there's so many things to address. Robert Bortuzzo because we haven't had a chance to address this yet. It's been a few days. Mm-hmm. There's been you know another game between. But talk about garbage. Talk about yeah. trash. Talk about absolute horse crap. I'm still actually as riled up as I was the <laughs> night that it happened. I'm sure. So, I'm sure. And I think where everybody is asking, myself included, why did he not get more than four games? And I think that the problem comes from, okay, yes, player safety can, after they have decided that this will be a suspension, at that point they can bring in their past history, right? So if they say that, our past precedents for illegal cross-checks are one to two games, but because of this certain player, we need to make that five or six. The problem, I think, lies in the actual past precedents. They haven't set a new precedent. Exactly. So right now, let's say back in April, I think it was Kadri, he got five games for a terrible cross-check, and it's like, okay, they say, on average, most of these other cross-checks are getting one to two. Mm-hmm. I think... That the problem is, is that illegal cross-checks that are that dangerous should get a lot more than one to two starting out. And then at that point, let their past history come in. So I think that the problem is, is they just, they have got decades worth of files that say, well, we only usually give one to two games for that. So we're trying to be fair. But they have the power to wake up one day and say, you know what, our new precedent for something, an illegal check to the head, which the average of those right now is one to two games. But you're going to say that you want to make sure that the players are safe. So we have a lot more knowledge than we used to about brain injuries mm-hmm, and such. And mm-hmm. so I just think they need to set a new precedent. And I think Preach that's it. where they failed. Preach it. No, they absolutely did. And it's another thing, too, of, ooh, he's losing $66,000. Mm-hmm. Poor guy. If, if you want things to stop, you have to make them pay. If you want trash plays Dangerous place to stop. You have to make them pay. And if you come at me with this, well, that's hockey. Just don't be soft. Or if you think Arvidsson dove, yes, 
Arvidsson dove his head into the crossbar. Miss me with that comment because that's not even, no. Yeah. No. If, if you think that is part of the game, then you're part of the horse trash that needs mm-hmm. to shut up as well. Because there's no place in the game for that. Hockey is a skill-based game with physicality. It's not meant to be a physicality-based game with a little bit of skill. The league is evolving. You better, too. Evolve. It's about skill. It's about speed. That's what it's about. It's not about trash plays that try to intent to injure a player and a repeat offender. Yeah. He's done it before. Yep. Cross-checking to the lower back where everybody knows zero protection. The chest protector only goes down so much, and if you're a big dude like me, it doesn't even go to your belly button. Yeah. <laughs> and the, down your back, it is completely exposed. There's a reason why he went for that area, because it was completely exposed in Arvidsson. And there's a reason why I went for it, because yeah. all the other times before, he was not properly disciplined for it. was it. disciplined. He's not, so. Four games isn't anything, because mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a trash player. He gets a little break. A little break. To relax. Doesn't lo- hard lose any money. But if you want these kinds of things to stop, and you want your players to be safe and the respect to be there, you've got to put the hammer down. And that's one thing that's so frustrating is that you don't see the hammer coming down on these things. And now let's go to another topic because there's so many things going on too. You have the Mike Babcock situation going with what he made Mitch Marner do. And then, oh, misunderstanding, miscommunication. We didn't really mean to do that. Bull. Then now, everything with Bill Peters that has blown up with Akeem Alou and multiple players saying what happened there. And Michael Jordan even talked about that as well. It happened in, in Carolina. Multiple things. And what is pissing me off so much about old-school hockey takes. Well, that's hockey. No, it's not hockey. Just because you say that's hockey doesn't mean that it's okay. It means you are supporting old-school ways, meaning you do not know how to evolve as a human being. You don't know how to evolve as a sport. Do you think that that belongs in this game? What about you things that make – what do you think that makes it right? To, one, treat people horribly, treat people physically wrong – treat people mentally wrong that's not an old old school way of thinking that is a trash way of thinking call me soft if you want to but that means that you don't respect the game you want the game to grow you want the game to be strong you evolve you change the game you be better you have to be better and what i'm seeing now and was talking to jeremy k gover about this last night the national predators radio network is finally the players have confidence to come out they have confidence to speak against things that are wrong in the game, whereas before they knew they were going to get punished. Look, 10 years is what it took for some of these stories to come out. Years, because they're afraid of the repercussions they'd face from ownership or things like that. Ownership knew in Carolina, nothing happened. Ron Francis knew about this. It was reported from multiple players, and nothing happened. So that's, you don't give your players confidence to report things that are wrong if things don't happen. You've got to support the players in this because that's how they're going to be able to fix the game and fix bad mentalities in the sport. It is toxic, and it's not just hockey. It's gymnastics. It's figure skating. It's every sport out there has toxic capabilities that are not supporting the people that play the sport, that give their all, that give their bodies, that give their brains, give everything to their sports. You've got to have the confidence to report things that are going wrong, and coaches – Parents, everyone needs to stand up for what's right and what's going to help the sport grow, help your sport grow. You want to know how people leave sports because they don't have the support, they don't have the confidence. You have to change the game and evolve and be better as people out there. So stand up. If your coach isn't doing something right, you tell someone about it. Okay? You have people supporting you now that will have your back to make this game better. Because that's what it's about is reporting things to make sure people understand that they have the support out there to be better. Make the game better. 
Yes. There. I mean, everything that you just said, everything. And when I hear someone say, well, that's just hockey, no. No. Because I go to every Predators home game, that's not what I'm going to see. That's not what I'm going to watch. You're going for the and game. the players that are out there are not going to want to play their best hockey for a coach, a GM, whoever, the, whoever it may be, that is treating them poorly. It's disgusting. It's toxic was a perfect word to describe it because that's exactly what it is, and there is zero place for it in any sport. So, Glenn, aside from that, let's get on something positive here, and that is taking vacations. It's getting cold oh, out. It's rainy. Yes. So you want to plan now for what's coming up in the summertime. Get away from the rain. So what you can do is join Penalty Box Radio, Ships and Trips Travel, and Royal Caribbean July 12th to 19th for a special hockey fan cruise for the Liberty of the Seas. Sign out of Galveston, Texas. Destinations include Cozumel, Costamai, and Rotan, Honduras. So now the purpose of this National Predators fan cruise is to raise money for the National Predators Foundation. And we're also going to have private events like ice skating, aboard the ship, and cocktail parties and everything like that. So, HockeyFanCruise.com. It's HockeyFanCruise.com for more information for Penalty Box Radio, Ships and Trip Travel, and Royal Caribbean. Up next, we're going to talk college hockey with Patty Marshall of the University of Minnesota, the number one team in the country here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN, 1025 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And let's talk some college hockey now. So coming up later this weekend, we have the Country Classic, and it is going to be a fantastic event coming to Fordyce Center, Bellevue, featuring four of the top ten teams in the country. That includes Minnesota, number one, Wisconsin at number two, then you have Boston College at number eight, and then Harvard. So, I mean, <laughs> it's huge. It's packed in, it's with packed a lot of in talent. terms of the talent <laughs> of women's hockey players that are coming to Florida Center in Bellevue. And the, t- the thing is, the tickets are pretty cheap. It's $15 for a single game. Oh, heck yeah. $50 for a full weekend. So, four games. Friday at 1 p.m. is Boston College versus Minnesota. Then Friday at 4.30 p.m. is Harvard versus Wisconsin. Saturday at 1 is Boston College versus Wisconsin. And Saturday at 4.30 is Harvard versus Minnesota. These are big games. They're- yeah, and this is perfect, too, right after the holiday, right after Thanksgiving. you still got all your family around. You can get out after you eat your leftovers for the fourth time. <laughs> you can get back out with the family and go support and just to see just the top talent. I mean, you've got them all, you've got them all here. It's fantastic. So take advantage of that. Yeah, you, you should go out there. And then here's the thing, too, especially for the the young girls that are wanting to play hockey and looking for those folks that, hey, I can go to college. I can get a scholarship to play hockey. There's going to be meet and greet opportunities. So there's a great way to meet some of these college hockey players, some of the, the big-time ones. I mean, these are these are women that are probably going to go on and play in the NWHL. Some of them are going to play for the Olympic team. Some of them are going to play in world championships. And there's a huge opportunity here to go out and support the growth of hockey because look look how well the NWHL All Star Game did here the skills competition and the All Star Game in general did here in Nashville and now you have a college hockey tournament coming 
Things are wanting to come to Nashville. Yeah. And this is huge. And I had so much pride at the All-Star Game seeing so many young children there, and they were beaming with joy. And I was seeing so many little girls specifically who are sitting there with their parents, and they're watching, and the girls skate out, and their eyes light up because they look like them. And, you know, they're wherever they came from, they likely played. I know a lot of them had on their own little hockey jerseys, so they play somewhere. And so they're getting to see their idols, and it's a reinforcement for them, a reminder of, I belong here. I belong on the ice. And so it's just fantastic that Nashville continues to provide those opportunities for people to come here, play their best sport, and then to have the support of you know Nashville and the surrounding cities who travel for this stuff. So it's just a fantastic opportunity. And like I said, get your family out there, especially, especially if you have – young girls who, even if they don't play, it's still fantastic for inspirational purposes, motivational purposes, and just a reminder that these little girls have a place in the sports world. And so it kind of gives them a different perspective, even if they don't play hockey. So just keep that in mind. Like Justin said, $15 a ticket, not bad. So get out and go. Absolutely. And the big thing too, Pelony Box Radio, what's so awesome for us and what I'm excited about is George Madarangus and Michael Wade are going to be heading up le- stats for, for this tournament. They're going to be and they good. Yeah, they good. They're going to be leading up stat tracking, so it's going to be a huge opportunity. So, hey, we actually need a couple of volunteers. So, if you have availability Friday or Saturday afternoons, you know, tweet to me and let me know because we need one or two more people for each of the games just to help track some of these stats. It'll be a fantastic opportunity. One, you get to watch the games for free. <laughs> two, you get an awesome opportunity to work in the hockey field i mean what better way to to understand the sport even more than to track stats you're calling face off your call off shots you're tracking where shots are coming from so i'm excited about that and then hey intern danielle and abigail martin are going to be covering the games as well so we're gonna have all that coverage for you on penaltyboxradio.com to get post game and video so make sure you're following them on twitter to get the inside look if you can't make it out because we want to make sure we're covering this as much as possible so and so we're trying to get patty marshall on the line here and producer Kenny is calling her, and she just confirmed on Twitter that that is the correct number that we're calling her at. Okay. So that means we should have Patty in a moment's time. <laughs> yes, it looks like he's talking to her right now, but we're really excited to have her on just to talk about what the experience is going to be like here mm-hmm. in Nashville because it's it's not too often you have an event that happens like this and to have the top college hockey players coming to Nashville, of all places, to play these games is going to be really, really exciting. Uh, so Minnesota, they're the number one team in the country, and <laughs> here's their record, 13-1-2. They, they are Jeez. dominant in here. And we have Patty Marshall on the line. She's the captain of the University of Minnesota Gophers. Patty, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. So we are very excited to have the top college teams come to Nashville for this big event. Just what is exciting for you to be coming to Nashville to, to play in this tournament? Oh, yeah, I guess it's just a fun town, and we've been talking about this uh, weekend since the beginning of the season back in September, and I think it's just great for women's hockey to be going down to Nashville and uh, spread the game there. And women's hockey is obviously growing here in Nashville. The NWHL All-Star Game uh, happened last season. It was a major success here with the skills competition and, and then the game itself, and people are demanding to have more women's hockey here. So what does that mean for you just to know that, that that there's so many people that are so interested and invested in this game? 
Yeah, honestly, that's awesome. Growing up as a kid, I would go to um, college women's game, and I inspired to be one of them one day. So I think it's great that being a Division One athlete, we get the privilege um, to have such a great platform to be able to have such an impact on uh, youth today. Patty, you're coming to Nashville 13-1-2. Your team is first in the nation right now. Wisconsin is not trailing far behind. How important is it for your team to get the two wins this weekend, and what kind of preparation is being put in? Yeah, we know Wisconsin very well. They're always a tough game <laughs> to play against. And honestly, I think it's going to be super fun playing some out-of-conference games. It's always fun seeing new faces, and especially BC and Harvard being uh, really skilled uh, top-ranked teams from out east. Uh, they're important points for uh, pairwise ranking, so we need to come ready to go this weekend. And this is going to be a unique experience for, for a lot of people here, Patty, that may have never seen an NCAA women's college hockey game before. What can people expect? I mean, what makes it such a unique, fun environment to watch hockey? Um, honestly, I think it's the intense competitive nature that you see. I think often in a lot of sports, you don't get to see it as fast-paced as you do in hockey. So I think that's the unique aspect that we bring. And again, Patty Marshall, University of Minnesota, captain, talking with us right now, Minnesota playing here in Nashville this weekend at the Country Classic. And Patty, you're from Minnesota, you, you grew up with it there, but what really got you interested in the game of hockey? What made you want to be a college hockey player? Um, honestly, I think it all goes back to being a little kid, and I grew up going to games in North Dakota, just watching how competitive and intense the games were. I think it just gives you a goal to strive for. And, Patty, I'm going to kind of switch gears a little bit. I'm a deep thinker, so I have to wonder, with you being a psychology major and you're splitting your time up between, you know, in-depth studies of psychology and then spending time playing and continuing to develop your game, is there anything that carries over between the two, like things that you might take from psychology into the game or vice versa? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, my psychology background goes more so into the off-ice work instead of on-ice work, just being a great teammate, being supportive, um, knowing how to read others more so than it does go on to the on-ice play. And, and Patty, what, Minnesota, such a storied program with college hockey. What has been the experience like been for you? What has it been like to play for the University of Minnesota? Oh, it's incredible here. Honestly, I think we have the best fan base in college women's hockey. They're so supportive of us. It's just electric when you step out into the ring. So I'm really excited to see what Nashville brings for us. So speaking of Nashville, we were told by your SID that you come from Thief River Falls, Minnesota, which is a pretty small town, saying definitely country music territory is what we were told. So (laughs) are you a country music fan? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm a huge country music fan. And honestly... Um, I've always dreamt of going to Nashville, so it's kind of funny now that I'm going my senior year. Yeah, absolutely. So who are some of your favorite country music artists? Uh, Luke Combs is definitely a oh, hot yeah. one right now with his new album. Yeah, I mean, last night they were playing that at Luke Combs at the game, and the entire arena was singing along even when the song came off. So that's Nashville <laughs> for you. <right> there. <laughs> that's awesome. So let's learn a little bit more about you then in terms of hockey. Are there any superstitions that you have as a hockey player? Um, honestly, I don't have too many, but every single pair that I have in my gear, I always have to put the left one on first, like my left skate, left shin guard. But other than that, I just like to stay loose before my games and not get too serious. No, that's, that's always good. Are there any certain songs you tend to listen to or certain songs that hype you up right now? Or does it kind of change every game? Uh, they kind of change every game. I just try and go with the flow. I try to not get too superstitious in case something doesn't go my way. (laughs) 
<laughs> and, and and last question then in terms of what is the average day like for a college hockey player? I mean, it's a little obviously different from pros because you're having to balance being a student, uh, an athlete, uh, and a student. So, what's the average day like for you on a game day? On a game day, I guess it's get up, you know, get moving in the morning. We normally have pregame skate, which a lot of our girls like to do. Um, we watch some film normally, and then I guess it's game time then. Um, I guess, like, the biggest difference I feel like between college and uh, professionals, obviously, like, we have school, too, which is a big focus. And being a female athlete, a lot of times we can't go pro, so we have to make sure we're doing well in school as well, which is another big focus we have. Well, we're all very, very excited to have you down here. It's going to be great because there's so many young girls that play hockey down here that obviously will see you all as, as huge role models. So we're just very excited to continue the growth of the game, and best of luck this weekend. Perfect. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, folks. Patty Marshall, the captain of the University of Minnesota Gophers. They're playing this weekend in the Country Classic. You can find more information just everywhere on the web about that as well because you need to go and see these great athletes play college hockey. Okay, up next, we're going to preview Predators and Vegas Golden Knights. Jesse Granger of The Athletic is joining us next on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Kenny, Dan James. Everyone has been fire. All right, folks, let's get ready for tomorrow night's Preds game. We have Jesse Granger of The Athletic joining us to talk Vegas Golden Knights. Jesse, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, the the news broke uh, just a a few hours ago that Garrett Sparks has been recalled on an emergency basis to join the Golden Knights in Nashville, and Marc-Andre Fleury is away from the team for personal reasons. Just let's go ahead and and, and address this and analyze this. Obviously, Marc-Andre Fleury has been the backbone of this team with spectacular saves and just such an important part. How does this affect the Vegas Golden Knights going into a pretty big Western Conference matchup tomorrow night? Well, anytime you don't have Marc-Andre Fleury, it's obviously a big deal. I mean, he's the best player on the team, and he's single-handedly won them quite a few of their games this season. Uh, they haven't won a game yet with the backup goalies. Um, that's Oscar Dansk and Malcolm Subban combined. So they're going to need to do that tomorrow night. If They're going to have to win for the first time without Marc-Andre Fleury if they're going to come away with the win. He's away for personal reasons. It's an illness in his family. So it's, I don't think it's something that's going to keep him out long term. So not a huge hit for the Golden Knights just from a season perspective, but for tomorrow night, it's obviously going to have a huge impact. No, absolutely. And, and Vegas, 2-6-2 two, and two in their last 10. I mean, they've been struggling just like Nashville uh, has here of late, too. So it's, a, it's another big – it's a confidence boost type of win for either of these teams. What has Vegas been doing wrong, for lack of a better term? Have they been doing things right and things not falling for them? So what, what, what are you seeing out of Vegas right now that has made them struggle? Well, the Golden Knights are doing pretty much everything right up until the point where you have to score the puck. Um, They cannot finish. They can't seem to beat goalies. And it's not really a case of missing the net. It's just kind of shooting it in the chest. They're getting stopped by some some really good goalies. But you look at all of their underlying statistics, and they're number one in the NHL in scoring chances created. They're tied for first with Carolina in expected goals for. So this team is doing pretty much everything right on offense. Then you say, okay, they're creating a ton of chances, but are they getting it into the blue paint, the tough areas? Well, they have the shortest average shot distance in the NHL. So they're shooting closer to the net than any team in the league. They're doing pretty much everything you want your team to do on offense, 
but yet the goals aren't coming. They're 28th in goals. They're one of the lowest scoring teams in the NHL at five on five. And I don't know what you need to do other than shoot better. And this team doesn't have a ton of pure scores. Obviously, Max Pacioretty, Jonathan Marshall, so Mark Stone are all really good scores. But other than that, they've got a lot of guys who are playmakers who can't finish the play. And that seems to be their problem right now. And Jesse, I kind of wanted to expand on that because a couple of weeks ago on our show, we actually dug into analytics a little more deeper than we usually do um, for the Predators as of late. And we kind of just touched on that phenomenon of how a team can excel in most all analytical aspects of the game, yet they're not scoring and they're not winning. So I know you just said like there's not much that they can do other than just to keep to keep trying. But what do you think goes on in a locker room when that's happening? What do you think – a coach is going to tell the team, like, do you just say, just keep doing what you're doing and eventually it'll pan out? Or how do you think that's handled um, from a locker room perspective? Yeah, I think, I think it's a little bit of the guys do believe it's puck luck. Um, and it's funny because I'll ask, I asked William Carlson, do you believe in puck luck? And he's like, eh, a little bit. And it's like, do you believe in luck in other cases in life? And he's like, no, not really, just puck luck. So these <laughs> guys do believe that they've been a little snake bitten at the, and that if they keep playing at the level that they're playing, eventually the results will follow. But at the same time, Jonathan Marchessault has also said, you, you can't be happy with creating chances. He said, I think a lot of people, in, not just on this team, but in hockey, are happy when you create a chance. And if you didn't score, oh, well. They, he, he said they need to be angrier when they don't finish those chances and that means just being more skilled around the net i also think the other thing this team can do to get on the scoreboard a little more the one thing they're lacking is deflections this team is creating chances they're getting shots from in tight they're creating rebounds but they aren't getting deflections and i think they're letting goalies see the puck a little too much and as we know goaltending in this league is so good right now if the goalie sees it he's going to stop it almost every time so they, they need to get those dirty goals they need to get in the goalie's eyes and then just make things a little more difficult for them than they have and again, Jesse Granger of The Athletic joining us to talk Vegas Golden Knights here on ESPN 125 The Game. And looking at one of your recent articles in terms of the, the charts here, and quality without finish, and where Vegas is charted there is just pretty phenomenal to see uh, just based on the talent they have in this roster because it's a very talented roster. And so looking at that, is there one key player that, I don't want to say step it up because they're doing so many right things, is there one key player you think is going to break through soon and then help this team turn it around to where they possibly should be? Well, I mean, the obvious guy is Mark Stone, and, and he leads the team, and he's, he's a, close to the top in points and goals on this team, but he hasn't been producing quite as much lately. He had a seven-game goal drought or point drought, which is the longest, one of the longest in his career, so I think he needs to get it going a little more. Jonathan Marchessault is another guy. He led this team in scoring last year, and he hasn't had many goals lately, and when he has, they've kind of been at moments where it's a garbage time goal when the game's already out of hand. So he, he needs to score some goals when, when the game is still kind of competitive. And aside from that, they'd, it'd be great if they could get some scoring from their blue line. They have almost the least production from their blue line in the entire NHL, and it's partly because they've got stay-at-home defensemen like Derek Englund and John Merrill and Nick Holden. But guys like Shea Theodore and Nate Schmidt need to produce a little more. Shea Theodore has scored two goals in the last two games, so he's he's starting to trend in the right direction, but they, they could use some help from that blue line um, when the forwards aren't getting it going. And looking at backup goalies, uh, Malcolm Subban, obviously, like you said, a backup has not won a game for Vegas. What has been the issue with Mal- Malcolm Subban? Is it the team in front of him not giving enough help, or is it one of those issues where it's been his play? Well, I think Subban is a good goalie, and I think he's got a chance to be a number one eventually sometime in his career. And, I, and Dave Pryor, the goalie coach in Vegas, is really high on him, and he's, he's, he's improved his game a lot since the Golden Knights got him from Providence. And I think 
this year he's let in goals at the worst possible times, uh, soft goals at the worst possible times. He hasn't let in many, but when he does, it just seems to be a backbreaker. Uh, the other night in Dallas, they, they're down 2-0. Two two they're battling, battling, battling. They finally get a goal to make it 2-1. It, it felt like, okay, we've, it, it took a lot of effort to get here, but at least we're only a goal down. And then 10 seconds later, Dallas comes down and Subban lets in a soft goal, and it just completely takes everything out of the team. So I, I don't think Subban needs to play much better than he has, but maybe just another timely save here or there um, can make a huge difference for him. And, and on a positive note for, for this team, is it positive for them in terms of confidence building to know that they broke Toronto? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the save by Mark Andre Fleury that got Babcock fired, right? I mean, obviously the uh, situation's a lot bigger than that, but it's it's been kind of strange. Uh, th- this team, like I said, they play well, and you you see them play through stretches, and we'll, I'm sure we'll see it tomorrow in Nashville. You'll watch this team for a period and think, how is this team where they are in the standings? This is an absolute Stanley Cup contender, and then the next period they'll melt down, give up two three on ones, and it'll be over. Um, so it's, it's consistency has been an issue. The talent is there, and, and everyone's kind of just wondering when it'll happen, if it will happen, um, but we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting because both teams have been kind of in the same boat where you'll see a really good period, then a really a poo-poo one. <laughs> and the, the Pacific has been, it, it looks interesting in the top three. It's not what anybody really expected. They expect Vegas to be up there, and I think we all uh, agree with that too. So is it one of those things where Vegas being a, a newer team with fans and everything too, the expectations are obviously high given how this team started off their franchise history. What's been the fan reaction like to some of these struggles and, and the fans knowing that, hey, they have a really good team here too and there's still plenty of time to turn it around? Yeah, it's been. I've been trying to uh, preach the. It's a long 82 game season. They're still only like three points out of a playoff mm-hmm. spot right now. There's a lot of hockey to be played, but it is. There is a little bit of panic. I wouldn't say all. Uh, it's not chaos in Vegas. They aren't burning <laughs> the strip down, but there there is some concern, some real concern, um, especially because, like you said, this team, has, this this fan base has never seen this team really struggle. I mean, last year they had a rough 20 games to start the season with Nate Schmidt suspended, but then as soon as he came back, it was right back to normal. They cruised into the playoffs and obviously that Stanley Cup final run in their first season. So this is the first real turbulence that we've seen with this franchise. And and the fan base is a little antsy for sure. Um, I think overwhelming majority of people think eventually they'll figure it out. But, I mean, you have to figure it out sooner or later, too. If you, if you wait too long to figure it out, uh, you're going to be chasing points in, in February and March, and usually that doesn't work out. Yeah, absolutely right. Well, it be, should be a fun one tomorrow night in Nashville. Jesse, thank you so much for your insight and for your time and for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me anytime. All right, folks, Jesse Granger of The Athletic covers the Vegas Golden Knights. Great insight, too. And, and reading his articles, especially if you have an athletic subscription, he prevents, he presents, not prevents, he presents <laughs> advanced analytics in a greatly appreciated way that it's not going it, to, it's not, I want to say dumbed down, but it makes it easy it's to not digest. It's overwhelming. It's exactly. very, it doesn't very digestible. Yeah. So it's very easy to digest. So he gives a great thoughts on on that team because they're so talented well spoken it's kind of like nashville there's so much talent that they should not be losing some of these games just got to put it together and and score Mm -hmm. (laughs) so similar things which should make tomorrow night very interesting because it's one of those things can each team survive the other team's big push that they tend to have and then flip it back from there so all right that's one period on one period off type thing let's see which periods are on and off (laughs) so vegas and nashville tomorrow night here in nashville okay up next dumb things said on preds facebook who i'm really giddy about this uh, Preds walkout songs and answering your Twitter questions up next. Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game.
And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio. ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, intern Danielle, intern Jonah in studio. Producer Kenny. Mm, like them beats, man. Mm. Beats be good. Yeah. With that salute. Beats by Kenny. <laughs> there you go. That's a brand. <laughs> that is a brand. That's a brand right there. Okay. I'm excited to bring back this segment because when a team goes on a winless streak, the dumb comes out. <laughs> it actually comes out even when it's not a streak. Yeah, well, you're, you're very right about that one. So how about this so dumb thing said on Pred's Facebook? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the sudden downturn seemed to happen around the time Roman's contract was announced. I just wonder if the rest of the guys are sandbagging it out there because they are peed off over the amount. All the sandbagging. <laughs> All the sandbagging. Here's another one. Here's another one concerning Roman Yossi. Just doing his job as captain, unlike that Cosmo drinking skinny jean wearing wuss Yossi. Wait, just doing his job as captain, unlike right. Yossi. Right. So who do we speak of, sir? I don't know. <laughs> who hurt you? <laughs> also, there's nothing wrong with drinking a Cosmo. Or skinny jeans. Or skinny. If you like it, do it. Are you hurting anybody else? Yeah. No? Goodness gracious. Man. You know, pe- Where's the hate? People get salty. People get salty over Roman Yossi. It is really funny. I don't know where it's coming from. They do. He yeah. is not Captain Material. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. He should be yelling at the players. With oh. that Cosmo in his hand. Okay. I don't know anything that goes in the locker room, but I know Roman Yossi's a bad captain. Wh- what? How, okay, how, do you, how do you know this? <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> I had right. to. It was right there. It was, it was right presented there. to me on a silver It was right platter. there. Okay. Next up, Danielle really wanted to do this segment and wanted to do theme songs for the Preds. So if they had walkout songs. Yes. So, this is so good. Danielle, since you wanted this, what what was yours? All right. Track with me here. This joke is, in my head, very funny. Like the shrimp <laughs> Alfredo joke I made that I got fried for for a week. But my theme song is for UC Soros. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it's Sweet Child of Mine, but remixed and recorded by Pecorine. Oh, man. Okay. That's good. But it's, I think it's yeah. funny. I think that's fantastic. All right, we're going to go over to Glenn now. But who sings it? Oh, Glenn's and Rose. Oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> Pecorine. <laughs> Pecorine's version. Okay, now, Glenn, okay, you have so, one now. Yeah, so mine actually looks better on paper or typed. Okay. Because Callie Yarncrook, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> but Carly Ray Jepsen's Call Me Maybe, but call is spelled C A L L E. Me maybe. Oh my gosh. But this is also in tribute to who? Yeah, so Ben always used to, anytime he heard this song on the radio, he would Snapchat me. And he would be dancing in his car or wherever he was. So this is a tribute to Ben because he would get a kick out of this one. So You're right, you're right. Okay, so now mine is also for use of Saros. Mm-hmm. We all know his nickname. And it's not just what the fans have nicknamed him, but also what the entire team mm-hmm. has named him. So I'm going with Gin and Juice. Oh. Imagine a goalie strolling out to this. I'm going to make your saves tonight. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Justin, you just beat me. You did it. Yeah, Congrats. this one. This High is, danger, I've been defeated. low danger. I don't care. I'm going to save it. <laughs> I'm going to make that my ringtone. And every time you call me, that's what it's going to say. <laughs> this is good. That was a solid choice. Thank you. Thank that's you. That's a fantastic walkout song or stayed out song. And props to 
props to Kenny for having those ready for us. Appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> Always on point. All right. Let's go to the questions here. And this first one comes from Ryan, and it's actually about you, Cesaro. It's about juice. Uh, two straight wins for you, Cesaro, right now. How much does it help his confidence as a young goalie after his horrible start to the season? Oh, it's, it's huge. And it's huge because he got back-to-back starts against St. Louis, and he won both of them. can only imagine what that does for his confidence. Uh, another person asked the question, too, of like what it should be for the rest of the week. Obviously, they have a back-to-back coming up Friday, Saturday. So tomorrow, I'd like to see Pecorine try to get his confidence back, and then obviously you're going to play each of them in a back-to-back. That gets an even split that gets everybody playing time, and you just roll from there. Yeah, I think that's the perfect time for that opportunity sure. to bring him back in, let him get his feet wet again, let him get confident. And, you know, it's always been like that with Pekka. If he's got a little bit of a drought, you just put him back in there, and he's better than he was before. 100%. I agree with everything that the both of you just said. UC did have a rough start, but winning both of those games is definitely going to boost that confidence. And letting Pekka play a game, letting UC play Saturday, it's all going to work out. And then we have a question from Ty. Nick Benino is an elite goal scorer, true or true? Uh, my answer is true. This year especially, Nick Benino. It's, I mean, we talk about luck, and it's just been one of those things where he's getting pucks to the right place. His shooting percentage is insane. Yeah, like they're <laughs> actually going to rename Bridgestone Benino Arena is what I heard. I don't know. Bonino, Bonino Arena. Arena. It kind of flows off the tongue, Bonino Arena. It does, when you say it like that. Bonino <laughs> that Arena. <laughs> Bonino Arena. So, well, 10 goals. That's tied for the, the team lead with Philip Forsberg, who is an elite goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Nick Bonino, right place, right time, going to those areas right in front of the net. But last night, it was a wicked shot. And what led to that goal was a huge lob pass from Dante Fabro to Rocco Grimaldi. Grimaldi found Bonino. And I asked Dante Fabro last night about that. Like, did you just see gold and decide to, to flop it up there? And he goes, yeah, well, on the bench, the coaches were telling me that this is the kind of thing we were running, that they're going to be up there, so go ahead and launch it to them. Like, that was a design play. Yeah. It was That's a design a- play to launch a puck <laughs> towards some goal. <laughs> yeah, and Rocco Grimaldi went and played fetch, yeah. and, and he got it. So, But yeah, Nick Benino, I mean, 10 goals in 23 games, and you look at it in terms of his most productive year goal-wise was with Anaheim in 13-14, 22 goals in 77 games. If he keeps up this pace, he'll obviously pass that. It is a difficult pace to keep up, and that's nothing against him. It's just the terms of overall his career. But, hey, he's producing, and that's what's important right now is that you have a third-liner producing when sometimes the top six can't. Danielle, anything to add? No, 100%. You just took all the words out of my mouth, and he's going to hit a slump <laughs> at some point. Call it a slump. Call what you want. But he is going to struggle to keep up that pace. But I still think even with a slump, he can beat it easily oh, yeah. this year. Because he's still, I mean, he's doing the right things. So Yeah, and he's going to the right out. places. Yeah, yeah so. get, get to the dirty areas. Yeah. Everything cliche. Mm-hmm. Okay, multiple questions about the, the gentleman who introduced this segment to us, Kyle Turris. Hopefully you, you heard that coming in the segment. It was like, Ooh. You heard him talk, but we're <laughs> not going to answer any questions. hi <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. Glenn on fire. Okay. She is on fire. So multiple questions about is this leading to a buyout? Is there a trade? Something's got to be up. But the thing is, in terms of if you're going to trade Kyle Turris, his trade value is continuing to diminish every time every you don't play game. him. Yeah. Every game, every time you don't say what's going on. And he's clo- tight-lipped about it, kind of smirking is, is what has been reported out yeah. there, but he's not saying much on it. So what what is going to happen with Kyle Turris? It's too expensive to buy out. Can you imagine what the cap trouble the Predators are going to have for the next few years, given the Duchesne contract, given the 
the Yossi contract, given all these other contracts, you can't have a $4 million buyout just sitting there. That's a lot of money to be able to utilize. So I can't see that happening. The the biggest thing is going to be being able to trade him and very unpoiled, like having to retain, because I cannot see anyone taking Mm -hmm. on this salary in the middle of the season. Off-season, maybe, to get to the cap floor, like the Coyotes have had to do before. But I just don't see it happening right now. And another question came in about, well, what about trading for Shane Goss' pair? Hey, if Philadelphia wants to give Shane Goss' pair and flip that, I'm all for it. I would be all for that, especially to kind of solidify the, the blue line because we've seen that to slide Dante Fabro down to the third pairing. Ghost could play second pairing and then go on from there. Buffalo has defensemen they could probably get rid of as well. Yeah. I think there's targets out there, but it's what is David Poyle willing to include in the well, Yeah, like trade? answering that question, would I make that deal? Yes, absolutely. That's fantastic. But I don't know if that's where this is headed because I just, like we said a second ago, it's very, very hard to say that you want to trade a player but then hide him away from the game. So I don't know. I agree 100%. If they're willing to pick up Kyle Terrace's salary and get that fourth strong defenseman and push Dante Fabro down, that will do a lot, especially in front of the goalies. UC Saros is getting hot, but you still want a strong defense in front of them. And if they're willing to make that trade, by all means, go for it. Do you ever agree 99%? A hundred percent of the time she does 100%. not agree. <laughs> hey, I mean, I have some great mentors. What can I say? Brought me up well. It's the third time I agree 100%. I do. What else do I I'm say? Gla- I'm glad you do. I'm glad I would pretty love good. It. I would love it one day if she's like, you know what? Like, I'm feeling I like an 87.5-ish. Oh, but I'm going with 11 team. Yeah. Thank you. 11. Okay, last question before we have to go. Graham is asking about Olivier, and he's getting an extended look in Nashville. Yeah, he's played multiple games here, and what is about his game that coaches seem to like? I just think they're liking that little bit of physicality in the fourth line, but it's still a question mark because there's games where he's only playing five or six minutes, and that's questionable there where you could have a Kyle Turris playing on that line, and he's playing 9 to 10 or 11, 12 minutes in there as well as getting special teams time. Uh, Daniel Carr has special teams time, and so they slotted him up there, which you give him an opportunity to play with top six guys, he's going to. I mean, he even said, uh, yeah, Duchesne and Granlin are really good. That's not Glenland because he didn't say Glenland. I say Glenland. Uh, yeah, anyways. So that's that's all I see there is that they wanted the physicality, but – I I still would rather see Kyle Turris in lineup, obviously. Anything else? I mean, I I would too, to be honest. But then again, it's like, okay, let him get out there and let him play his game. So, All right. Well, Whew. Danielle, Jonah, thanks for being with us. Kenny, thank you so much. Appreciate you taking care of us. For Glenn Blockle, this is Justin Bradford. Thanks for listening to Penalty Box Radio. Happy Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble. Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game.